Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. All right, hey, if you would make your way to your seat. It's 10.30, so I got like 120 minutes. We're good. So, hey, listen. <laughs> I'm excited this morning because we get to do something that we don't, we don't do We've never done, actually, plus we get to do something that we don't do often. And uh, today is Share Sunday, so we just finished the book of Colossians, and um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to share. People are going to share. We have a few people that um, God has been doing some incredible things in their lives. They want to share with the body of Christ what God has been doing. I think that um, it's, you know, at our, our kind of, our our. Our main premise here at Calvary Chapel is teach the Bible verse by verse. We're really about trying to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And, but, but there also comes a time where you have to allow the body of Christ to minister to the body of Christ. And that happens before service and after service and in home fellowships and all these kinds of things. But it's also really impactful when we hear, practically speaking, what God has been doing in people's lives through his word. Um, you know, we, we can become incredible theologians um, you know, and understand the word of God from a from a head from head knowledge, but we wanna we wanna see that heart knowledge. We wanna see the application of God's word in people's lives and see what He's been doing. So we're gonna take a few minutes and we're gonna share. Uh, a few people are gonna share about w- what God has been doing in, in their lives. And so, are, are you guys excited about that? Awesome, man! This was uh, this is the second time we've done this. You know, God put it on my heart to uh, as we finished books of the Bible. Uh, verse by verse, uh, that we're going to do this. And so we just finished the book of Colossians, which, by the way, uh, in two weeks we will be going into the, uh, first, uh, into the book of First Thessalonians. So that's going to be an awesome, awesome uh, time together. But first and foremost, I'm going to have my wife come up, and she is going to share with us uh, a, a dear lady in our fellowship that God has been doing incredible work through. And my wife's going to read her testimony what she wrote down. Miss Rita Walsh back here, she is, God's been doing an incredible job in her life, just incredible work, and so we're going to let Sonia share, and then Miss Leah, you're going to come up after her, so. For my Bible. I just wanted to, um, if you haven't met Rita, she is a blessing, and she is sweet, and if you haven't met her, I encourage you to reach out and say hi. Uh, let's see. I just wanted to read from my Bible um, the, what she had highlighted in Scripture. Closer? Okay. I was, it sounds like it's feeding back now. Okay, so she did First Colossians 1, 13 and 14, and it says, So that it has become evident to all, all to the whole palace guard and to the whole rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident in my chains and have much more bo- um, are much more bold to those speak speaking the word without fear and this is what Rita says 
He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, transformed us from the kingdom, from his beloved son, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of our sin. Myself, being a new person in Christ, the old has passed away. Christ saved me from the darkness to where I can now see the light, being baptized to share with the body of the church and Christ. I was in such darkness by looking at me, you probably wouldn't get that impression. I was bad. I was a drug addict for 10 years. I didn't care who I hurt as long as I just got that feeling of being high. I wanted to be free from Satan. So I turned to God for help, and he delivered me out of the darkness and into the light. Jesus has impacted my every area of my life. I read my Bible more. I share my testimony on Facebook. I've, I share how you should come to Christ and be saved. I now have a church I love and people who attend. I have a church family who loves me and I love them back. And that's pretty awesome to me. I'm a part of something that someone else I'm a part of something, and that someone is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we are called to grow together and grow in wisdom and knowledge. And I want to thank Pastor Tim for asking me to be part of what I've taken away from Colossians. This is my testimony. I am thankful for God for saving me. I am thankful for Leah and Mike Mondary who met me through my daughter. And I love all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. All of a sudden, my stomach started to hurt. Good morning. I wanted to share uh, what God um, reminded reminded me of all the wonderful things he's been doing and through Colossians it was awesome um, the first uh, first uh, few verses 1 through 8 in Colossians 1 I wrote down the gospel reclaims how wonderful to know God has reclaimed me I was lost and now I'm found um, there was years ago over 25 years ago I thought I knew who the Lord was and um, I was really lost in tradition and um, the do's and don'ts of a religion and so as we went through Colossians um, God just continued to remind me of his faithfulness and who he was and just all the wonderful things um, one of the things that stuck out to me was the title of Pastor Tim's messages. Jesus is enough. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, I don't know if any of you remember, we had a hill in the back of our house that collapsed, and it was a mess. It destroyed the, the back road. It took out our fence. It took out our, uh, pushed over our shed, and we had a lot of uh, um, workers coming in and took loads and loads of mud, mud from our house. And every time I looked outside, I thought, Lord, I, I don't know if we're supposed to be here. I don't know if, if, we, if I heard you correctly. 
And, you, and every time um, Mike and I would pray, we'd pray over that hill, we'd pray over everything. And, um, you know, you just kept holding on and trusting that God was going to do something, and he did. Um, he sent someone to fix it all up. And, and I know in, in the time where we were praying, I asked Mike, well, what if it takes out our, our house? What if we lose everything? What, what if? That's our home. You know, we said, we said this and we said that. And I remember we were in our dining room and we were praying. And my husband said, well, what if? What if we lose it all? He says, Jesus is enough. And so as, as you kept on every week, Jesus is enough. And so if I lost it, everything, if I lost everything today, knowing that Jesus is enough. So he reminded me of that. And I'm grateful to God that uh, he sent a little angel to fix it. And it's all fixed. Not all my problems, but it's all fixed. God bless you. Lee, I identify with your stomach. <laughs> Mine is doing the same thing. But praise the Lord. Um, it's exciting to give your testimony, because, and the reason is to give glory to God. Just give glory to God. Praise the Lord. Um, my name is Kathleen Duart. I go by Kate. And I've spent most of my life in Minnesota. <laughs> um, I just moved here a month ago. I was born, uh, born again at the age of 18. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a chronology of what's been happening in my life because it just related to a lot of verses in Colossians that we've been studying. Um, I was married to a youth and later a children's pastor for ne nearly 40 years, uh, just short of three months. They were rich years serving Jesus, but not always happy, sometimes very lonely and hurting. And if you're a pastor's wife, you know that feeling because you don't go and talk to anybody about your problems. Um, I had a husband who seldom communicated or shared his love with me. But even so, Jesus was always comforted my heart, and as I'd go to him, to Jesus, he would give me everything I needed. Sorry if I get a little bit emotional. <laughs> um, May of 2017, my husband was diagnosed with uh, far advanced bone cancer. And even so, God gave us one more year we were together 24-7. And when you hear the horrible diagnosis, it hurts like nothing else. You see, he didn't seem to love me, but my heart overflowed with love for him because Jesus gave me that love. I refer to the verse in Colossians 3.14, and above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Sometimes we don't feel our love is reciprocated, but God says, put on charity. If your well is dry, my love tank was empty until I went to Jesus. Yes, he filled my love tank to overflowing, and that is a deliberate change of mind 
and a deliberate action of seeking Jesus. The change of mind is, what does God's word say about this? And Colossians 3, 12 and 13, put on therefore, again he says put on, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Yes, a change of mind. Renewing your mind. It's become very important to me. Um, by reading his word, meditating on it, and applying God's word, it can change your thoughts and then therefore your actions. It did mine. Every time I felt a stab in my heart, I pulled out the hurt and it offered it up to God and then he filled my heart back up with love and with the knowing that he would never leave me or forsake me. He was my rock and before I applied this, God's word, my hurts would be a lash back with a sharp tongue. It was frustration and loss, and nothing productive came from that. But putting on love, verse 14, changed everything. The mindset changes from, what are you doing to me, to you are not my supplier of love or security. Jesus is, and you are hurting. What can I do to help you? In verse 15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. After the initial shock and grief of hearing about my husband's diagnosis, God's word came in. Let the peace of God rule in your heart and be thankful. That became my prayer every day. God, can I be at peace and rest knowing? Yes, knowing you are in control and rest knowing that you have a plan. I can be thankful every day that you give us. Wow, there were very scary and heartbreaking moments throughout that year. But God's word, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and Father by him. Almost exactly a year later, May 2018, my husband passed on to glory. From the moment of his passing, it was as if God was urging me, time to take off the sackcloth. I had given John everything I could, the love, care, attention to every help I could bring his way but I had to submit to God's plan. Just going into retirement years, and I, I never pictured myself going there without my husband. My new prayer became, what is your plan now, Lord? I'm not going to sit around crying about my loss for years. I believe you still want to use my life for your kingdom. And yes, you have a plan to use my life, but what is it? Colossians 3, 1 through 3. 
If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Yes, I felt dead, and my heart was like someone took a machine gun and put a hundred shots through it. But my mind said, God, you are the love of my life, the source of my life, and my life is hid in you. You have a kingdom planned for me. But what is it? <laughs> a new chapter began, and every day I prayed, how do you want to use my life, Lord? It may not seem long to someone looking on, but four months later it passed, and with that prayer in my heart, and not even a glimpse or a hint from God of what is next, then suddenly in August 2018, God spoke to my heart. If you were ever in another relationship, what would this person be like? God, knowing the hurts in my past, urged me to write down what is important to me that I could not or would not really be effective for God's work without a, without a matching relationship. And God made me with certain talents, biases, peculiarities, I can't say the word, and that were unique. And he gave me a very strong and passionate heart for kingdom work. And I began to write down the priorities God had established in my life. And I'll just mention a few. God is number one, and I want to serve him. And I worship and praise God every day. I want to love my spouse, family, friends, strangers, read the Bible, pray together. And there were lots of things. Because of the lack of communication in my first marriage, I wanted someone who wanted to talk about everything, could show me love, and who was funny, and who loved outside and nature, who wanted to live simply and only lived in the country, <laughs> someone into natural health. And the list can go on and on and on. The long list that covers everything you would not believe. But three pages later, and 62 items later, written down, <laughs> I'd outlined a man who could be happy with me <laughs> and I with him. And my widow friends <clears throat> looked at my list and said, you are crazy. <laughs> no man will fit your list. And they laughed at me. And I just would say, if we're not better for God's kingdom together, there's no point of being in another relationship. At that same time in August, I learned later, down in Tennessee, my future husband at the time heard from his dear friend, Terry, I have a strong impression from the Lord. Your girl is coming. Get ready. She's coming soon. In September, I went to one of my friends to a prophetic evangelistic meeting, and he prophesied over me, and the last word he said were, she will always be caring and loving people, taking people from other ethnic groups, nations, and cultures under her wing and discipling them in Jesus' name, something I've never done before, in, in the ethnic groups and cultures and so forth. In October, I came to Tennessee to live with my son and his family in Spring Hill for the winter. I met Terry November 3rd, and we went out on our first date. Our second date was at his volunteer ministry, teaching English as a second language to people from all over the world. Within two weeks, I was teaching there also. The prophecy about peoples of other cultures and nations was already coming to pass. But the other miracle in my life was Terry. 
His unconditional love began to rapidly heal my heart. There is so much more on this topic, but not time for that right now. Remember the list of 62 items that my friends laughed at? <laughs> Terry fit the list in all but one item. That was a Minnesota thing. But not just, <laughs> but not just fit them. He exceedingly went over the top of all my expectations. Terry and I got married last month, August 10th. My heart, once pierced through, is very much healed and full above up beyond what I could ask or think. We got married. Pastor Tim married us at Crossroads of the Nations. And before that, he and Sonia um, did our counseling with kingdom marriage um, material that was really good. And I'm going to... God did have a plan all along. And, you know, I'm just praising him every single day for it. And I will finish with Colossians 1, 25, 28, 29. This is the plan God has for all of us, where I'm made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto also I labor, striving according to his workings, which worketh in me mightily. I love you all, and I'm excited to get to more, know more of you and labor alongside with you in God's field. And Jesus coming soon. I mean, we all have to step it up, guys. I mean, hey, if you need husband counseling, Terry's available. Anytime you need him, just let him know. He'll... So that was so, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Kate, for that. Thank you so much, Leah, Rita. Thank you, Marianne, for sharing uh, your stories of what God's doing in your life. And um, listen, it, at the end of the day, my heart is this, that if we sit in here week after week after week and hear the word of God and it's doing nothing in our life, something's wrong with our heart. Like there should be change in our lives. Like we should not be able to come here and leave here the exact same person. And so that's a challenge to you because uh, as, you know, as you come in routinely into God's presence, you know, we can sometimes uh, just, just check the list and we're not li really listening as the song we sang earlier we're, we're hearing God but we're not listening like we're not hearing you know exactly what he's saying to us it's just more knowledge than it is um, anything else for us and so I want to encourage you man that um, as we continue to teach the word that you're obviously studying the word outside of here but but that you're looking to change when you come that you're saying Lord I'm I'm a I'm just a simple piece of clay and I want you to mold me today I want you to take things off that don't belong in my life. I want you to put your fingerprints all over me so that when I leave here, people can say, man, that guy has been with Jesus. Like that's the biggest thing that the Lord has been pressing on my heart is I want people to say, I know that that person has been with Jesus and that's what I want for you as well. Now, we're going to move on to something uh, also very, very uh, impactful and something we've never done before. So um, we are going to have an ordination today. 
We're going to ordain Mr. Michael Mondary today. That means that we are going to sacrifice some... No, we're not, but we are going to... Here's what it is. Ordination is simply acknowledging what God is doing in somebody's life. We're going to... Mike is um, not going to become a pastor today. Mike already is a pastor. We're just formally acknowledging what God has done in his life, the call that he has on his, on his life, and we're saying, hey, you know what? Mike... God has called Mike to be a pastor. We see that in his life. The elders, uh, we've prayed about that. We've come together in agreement in that. Our board of directors as well. And, um, you know, we see the work that God is doing in Mike's life. And we probably saw it before Mike did. I think Mike's been struggling with this for a long time, which he'll share with you in a minute. But um, I, I just want to give you, uh, just very quickly, because we don't have a lot of time, but I want to tell you about ordination. In Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 11, we read this last week, you may remember it, but it says that, um, it says he, but we're, it's speaking about Christ. Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Now, what I want you to focus on in that particular passage is the word gave. It was Christ who gave these men that would fulfill the offices of, of apostle and prophet and evangelist, and I believe that shepherd and teacher are the same thing. It's just it, they're the same role. They're not two separate entities. They're the same thing, pastor, teacher. And it was Christ who gave these men under these offices. It's not us. Ministry is not a, um, it's not a profession choice. We don't decide like, hey, I'm, I, I'm going to make this my occupation. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a, an evangelist. Now, you know, no, you, you don't do that. You, you don't do that. This is a calling upon someone's life. And, uh, and, and so it's imperative that we understand who's doing the work here, not us. We're not doing the work here. The Lord has done the work already. We're just simply acknowledging that. You can look through the Bible, and I outlined a whole bunch of people that I'm not going to go through right now, but, but you can start from, from the very first time that we see the word ordained. It literally means appointed. Appointed. The very first time we see that word used is in the book of Genesis when Eve is giving birth to a man named Seth. His, his literal name means he is appointed. Seth was appointed for what? It's the line of Seth that Jesus would come through. Seth was appointed by God to produce a Savior named Jesus Christ. It was an appointing. He didn't choose it. Eve didn't choose it. It was something that God gave Seth. You could follow the lineage of Seth and you can go to Noah. And you can see that literally um, when Noah came on the scene, his dad Lamech, said in Genesis 5, 29, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Who does that remind you of? That's pointing us back to Jesus. He would relieve us from our work, from the curse that happened in the Garden of Eden. You can follow the lineage on and you can see that, that uh, Noah built an ark. That ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. It's only got one door. You can only enter one way. 
Jesus is that ark, and you can only enter into relationship with him only one way. It's by faith, the Bible tells us. And so these incredible typologies, but the, the point is that none of this happened because somebody decided that they wanted to be in ministry. God ordained them. Remember, it was Saul who was the first king of Israel, but he was the people's king. The people chose Saul, not God. God allowed Saul to become the king because that's what the people wanted. He said, let me show you what happens when you choose to do this. And Saul's kingdom was a train wreck. But there was a king that was appointed by God who was ordained to be king. His name was David. And of course, you know the story when Samuel went to to, to Jesse's house and he said, let's sacrifice, bring all your sons out. And he brings the seven out and and, and Samuel's walking by one after another, not the one, not the one. The Lord keeps telling him, he's not the one, he's not the one, he's not the one. He gets the end of them, and he says, whoa. Now, probably all of us would be going, I guess I'll pick one. <laughs> but, but Samuel says, hey, man, you got, you got another son somewhere? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, he, but you don't want to see him. No, bring him over. Of course, the moment that he saw David, the Lord spoke to his heart and he said, he's the one. He's the one. And so, you know, regardless, this time, this moment has been appointed by the Lord. Like this is what we're doing right now. This is how God works in your life, folks. You know, he's called us all to something. We're, we're all called to serve and, and to be part of something. And, and here's what I want you to understand. Uh, you know, bef any time before even man acknowledges these things, you should already be fulfilling the ministry that he's given you. In other words, if somebody walks up to me and says, hey, I think I'm called to be a pastor, I'm going to look at what they're already doing. If they're not serving the Lord, if they're not doing anything, they just want a title. That's the way I look at it. When, when, when God calls a man, he's not looking for a title. He's already doing these things. And that's, that's, that's uh, Mike. He's already done these things. He's been doing these things. And so we're simply acknowledging what he's what he's doing here. And I'm so excited. It's a privilege for me to be able to um, do this, uh, to be able to, uh, and the elders here, to lay hands on Mike, to be able to pray over him and, and acknowledge, be the ones that get to acknowledge what God is doing in his life. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the elders to come up. I'm going to invite uh, Mike and Leah to come up. And uh, we're going to uh, just take a few minutes. Mike, I want you to hear because you're part of this. So I want you to hear from Mike just a, a brief, a little bit of a brief story of where God has brought him and, uh, and how he has, um, uh, you know, come to this place in his own heart. And, and then we're going we're gonna to ask you all to, uh, to stand on his behalf and acknowledge this as well. And, uh, and then we will pray over him. And then we're going to partake in communion. So you want to come share with us, man? You can, you can clap if you want. I mean, I'm glad we have Kleenexes up here because I'm going to need them. Most of you that do know me, um, you've heard me teach before. You, you know that I'm not a person that's short of words, but for some reason I'm, I'm short of words today. Uh, this is an amazing honor. And let me tell you why. 
you know, Tim said share, you know, a few minutes about how you got here. Well, it all started on uh, January 25th, 1961, and that's the day I was born. <laughs> so I'm going to fast forward now because there's a lot of years between there. You know, grew up in church, got saved at about nine years old at Southern Baptist Church, um, got baptized, you know, thought I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do as a good, you know, Southern Baptist young man, you know, went to Bible studies, grew, you know, very active in youth group, you know, and I've said before, you've heard me say, you know, I didn't smoke, drink, or chew, and I didn't date girls that did too, you know, so that's what I was supposed to do, you know, and things I wasn't supposed to do. But as you also know from me teaching previously that I had a lot of rules and regulations that I was following, but I didn't really have the relationship that God wanted me to have. And I, I kind of knew that. Um, and so in my later teen years and uh, early 20s, kind of fell away a little bit, um, became a new father. My oldest is Josh. Uh, he's watching online. God bless you. Um, and I realized that I, I needed to be the man that God wanted me to be, to be a good father. And so, you know, I got, got into the Word again, read, read a lot, did things that I knew from my upbringing. This is how you prove that you're a good Christian man. But again, um, the relationship that I know God wanted of me wasn't there. Again, it was still my flesh doing to prove to God that I was worth something. And so a few, a few years went by, had a job change, and as, as you know, I became a deputy sheriff, and that kind of started a down-the-hill down spiral. Um, it started good, but it didn't end well because a lot of the things that uh, I dealt with and my, my former life, so to speak, caused me to get to a point in my early 30s, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, um, I was at a point where I was actively de deciding whether I was going to reject Christ and follow uh, in a lifestyle with um, that person at that time that I was married to um, that was not what the Word of God declares. And I specifically heard the Lord telling me, what are you doing? Don't you remember why I died for you? And that kind of woke me up. And I know that many of us have made those decisions many times in life. We do things that, you know, the flesh is crying out for, and we, we do them because we're weak. And I was at that point, and I, the Lord strengthened me. That's all I can say. It wasn't my flesh because, you know, my flesh had been weak, but he strengthened me to stand firm. And I did lose pretty much everything. I, let, I lost everything. Um, luckily, I still have my voice, Right? Um, fast forward another, another 20 years almost, um, and I, I'm working for a Department of Corrections now as a teacher, and I hear the Lord telling me, you need to start a prison ministry for the youth that were in the prison. And where I came from, it was the first uh, program in the United States where you could be under 18 but be sentenced as an adult for your, your criminality, um, and that's where they were. I was at a, uh, an adult prison, but I taught as a teacher uh, 14 to 17-year-olds. And if you've ever heard a teacher say, man, my class this year is the worst class I've ever had. No, literally, I had the worst class, okay? <laughs> they were extremely hardcore criminals. 
40% of them were uh, murderers. They're, they were doing life at 17 or 15 years old, just hardcore. But the Lord says, hey, they don't have anybody to minister to them. So the pastor or the, the, the chaplain came to me because he knew me, and he said, would you consider giving them services? And I, I, the Lord said, you need to do this. And so I did. And that kind of started the calling. But I never considered myself um, a pastor. I know that God has gifted me to teach. It's not a natural thing. It's something that he's given me. Uh, from that point on, I did a lot of home fellowships, a lot of uh, you know, church um, uh, Bible study teaching. And, but I never really wanted to consider myself going from past that point because of my past, that point where I was that close of rejecting Christ because I never felt that I was worthy enough to go beyond that. So fast forward, I retire. We travel around for a number of years trying to look for where we're going to wind up and and the Lord brought us here. I mean, it, it, and that was amazing in itself. The Lord brought us here. And, and uh, we were just so happy to be here. Um, all we wanted to do is to get, become part of a little church, not a big church, because we came from big churches, a little church, and just serve people. And the second week we were here, Pastor Tim said, we need somebody to clean the bathrooms. And I'm going to tell you, that was, that was a powerful statement for me because in the past, I would have always said, I'm not cleaning the bathrooms. Somebody else will clean the bathrooms, you know. I'll do you know, muffin ministry or I'll help with the men's ministry, but I'm not cleaning the bathrooms. But God put it upon my wife's heart that we need to do this. And so I knew that was from God. Um, so we started doing the bathroom ministry, and that's what we did. And that just kind of started. Um, the process of being a servant here at Calvary. And a little while later, Tim kind of said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And he says, I need you to pray about it, but I, I, I really feel God's called you to be an elder here. And I said, well, you know, if, if, if that's what you think, I mean, I'm going to submit to that, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to help. I'll, that's what I'm going to do. I don't need a title. I'm just going to help anyway. And he says, yeah, I know. And so he called my former pastor and talked to him, and, and then he, he says, hey, we, we want to we bring you on as an elder. And so I was, okay, fine, and nothing really changed. Still did the same things that I did before. But at the same time, didn't see myself as that individual with that title as, as an elder because I still didn't consider myself worthy because of my past. And what's funny is, for years, I've counseled people and in Bible studies reminded people that your past doesn't define you. Your identity is in Christ and who he is. But it's like the old uh, saying, you know, physician, heal thyself. I would be okay telling everybody else, but it didn't apply to me in that. You know, you know, 1 John 1, 9, you know, if, we're, if we ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins, right, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Said it to a thousand people. But for some reason, for me, there was always that little nagging. You know, you, you were going to reject me at one point in time. So just be content where you are. Don't aspire for anything else. And so I never did. And, you know, just to 
make sure you understand this. Tim came to me, you know, previously, about a year and a half ago, I think it was, and he asked about ordination for me, and I told him, I don't need that. I'm just a servant. I don't need a title. I'm just doing what God has called us to do. And then he, he kind of blindsided me again at the last uh, elder, elders retreat where uh, the end of his agenda was ordination for Mike Mondary. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought we already talked about this. And he says, well, no, we're not raising you up. And I'm glad he said what he said. We're just confirming what God is already doing in your life. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. And I, I did commit it to prayer. And we went to the pastors and leaders conference in Georgia. And I had really been committing that to prayer. And uh, kind of an afterglow evening, uh, I think the second night there, there was a gentleman that stood up and said, there's some people in this audience that are really contemplating a decision to be made. And he says, you need, you need to seek the Lord for it, but you need to fulfill your ministry. And I just, I, I knew that was for me. Because God has given all of us a ministry. Like Tim said, every one of us are ministers of the Lord. It doesn't matter who you are or what your age is. If you're in Christ, you are a minister of Christ, and your job is to go forth and make disciples. The church doesn't make disciples in these four walls. You do, and I do. We are the ones that go out and make disciples. This is where we edify and build up the church for the work of the ministry. And so that verse that Tim shared, you know, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, that means a lot to me because... All I want to do, with all my faults and all my failures, all I want to do is build people up. And I know I haven't done the best at times, but we're all, we're all human. We all make mistakes. But God is the one who has completed us. He has given every one of us what we need for life and godliness. He does. And so I just want to say you know, thank you, Pastor Tim and the elders. Fans, man, they're drying my eyes out. <laughs> For seeing in me what God has called me to do from about the year 2000 when I started doing prison ministry for young men, but ran from it because I didn't want to be under that stricter judgment and I didn't think I deserved it. But I want to thank you guys for seeing that and reminding me that it's what's already been done. It's not what I'm raised up to. It's what I'm doing. Thank you. God bless you. I heard was you, the only thing you were concerned about was muffins ministry. Was that right? Yeah. You said, I'll, I won't do the bathrooms, but I'll do muffins ministry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, actually, just to fill in a little bit, though, um, Mike actually, uh, Brian brought this up, actually, uh, a couple months ago when we were get preparing for the, um, an elders retreat that we were just taking a little bit time away and uh, seeking the Lord together and stuff. And Brian said, hey, what would you think about ordination? I said, yeah, I mean, I've talked to Mike about it. Let's talk to him again about it. And so it, this is just the Lord continu continuing to do those things. Um, but, but the one thing that I, I think as I'm hearing your, your testimony is, you know, the idea of being worthy and, and you know, Paul tells us kind of the, the type of person that God uses in First, or First Corinthians chapter 1, verses uh, 26 through 28, and he says,
God calls the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He said, not many of you. And Paul would be in the section of not many of you. And what he's talking about is, you know, um, it, it, the calling of God is, is one of those things that um, he's not seeking earthly uh, attributes to see like, oh, who go, you know, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro seeking those whom he might choose. What? To, to loyal hearts. It comes back to a loyal heart. And, he, and, he, and typically the, um, the foolish things of the world are, you know, as the world looks at us, they would call us foolish because we have loyal hearts to the Lord. And so that, that's ultimately, you know, maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, I wish God would show me what, what, what my calling is. Or maybe God, would you just help me understand what I'm called to do? You know, Moses didn't, didn't fulfill his calling until he was 80 years old. You know that? The burning bush didn't happen until he was 80. Mike's like 23 right now, so, you know. But, but I'm just saying that you're never too old to step into your calling, and you're never too young. God is calling each one of us into a, a place. And I, I, I want to make it about Mike, but I also want to encourage you that God has a call on your life. He's got a call on your life for something. And, you, you know, you seek him out, and he'll show it to you. You know, but, but ultimately, he will never reveal it until you take a step into, by faith, and start to serve somewhere, start to do something. He'll, he'll start to, you know, use those, those ordinary things to shape you and show you. Uh, and so, you know, just like he did with me in children's ministry, that's how I started as well. So um, I, I would like for, um, you know, those in this congregation who are thankful to God for Mike and Leah and, uh, um, and our We'll we'll take that stand to encourage them and uh, promise to lovingly support them in prayer and uh, to stand to your feet. And and we're going to pray over them together. But if you guys would come up front here and we'll have you. You guys want to, you guys want to, can you, can you, we're going to have you kneel down. And uh, let's get this, let's get this thing out of the way. Let's just set this thing back here. Now you see what I see. And we're going to have, can you guys kneel down? Is that okay? You can stretch your arm out if you would like. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are, Lord. What an amazing thing we have here today. God, your hand has been moving in such incredible ways in these two's lives, Lord. You have used them in such such miraculous ways in, in people's lives that are sitting in this sanctuary, Lord. What a gifting it is to us as a body to have uh, people who are sincerely following after you, Lord, looking for your will to be done in their lives, and, Lord, are willing to step into the battle, full knowing, Lord, that, that uh, by, by serving people, there's going to be um, all kinds of spiritual warfare, And, Lord, I thank you that they have not fled the battle, but they stand, Lord, time after time after time, Father, saying, I just, I want to do what you want me to do, Lord, show me. And and I thank you for how you have used Mike and Leah in, in our lives here at this body, Lord, and many, many other lives, Lord, even those watching online and who watch this later, Lord would testify of the great things that you've done through them. And they, they are quick to give you the glory. Father, I thank you for their service to you, Lord. I thank you for the call uh, upon Mike's life, Lord, 
to step into the office of the pastorate, Lord, to um, continue doing what he's doing, loving on the people and showing them Jesus. And for Leah, the faithful uh, um, wife who has uh, come alongside Mike to help in the ministry, and her just fulfilling her ministry here as well, Lord, blessing the women here. Lord, we commit these two to you. We thank you, Lord, today that we get to acknowledge the work that you've already done in both of our, their hearts in this moment, Lord, and that uh, we're not making Mike a pastor. He already is one. I thank you for revealing that to him, Lord. We ask for spiritual protection over them, God, as they continue to step into the ministries that you've called them to, Lord, and whatever your plan is for them, Lord, we, we just thank you for allowing us this privilege today, Lord. And I pray that you would just um, encourage them, Lord, shape in them, continue to help them to uh, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord. We commit these two dear saints to you now. We thank you for your call upon their lives in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, will you grab that real quick once? Actually... <laughs> Yeah, we'll grab it. We grab that other thing. So here is a certificate of ordination, Mike, signed by the, the the elders. If you're not familiar with our elders, this is Dan Bradle. He's our worship leader. He's also an elder here. And then Brian, Pastor Brian Thacker. Hey, Mike, we also have. Um, you know, you mentioned the bathroom, and we have. Uh, this is a pastor survival kit. So. We, we have some knee pads for you for the prayer that you'll be, uh, no doubt. And we also have a first aid kit because we know that there's wounds that come along with this job. Uh, we, we also have some comfort foods, you know, stuff like that. And we've got some, uh, a couple of uh, double shot espressos for the late nights ministry that's happening. And, of course, you can never forget the Advil. So... Um, th this is the ministry survival kit for Mike. And then, and then, we, have, <laughs> then we have the towel in the bucket for washing of feet. So there you go. There you go. Thanks for bringing it up, man. Awesome. Awesome. Worship team, will you guys come on up? And uh, we're going to, we're just going to take a moment and we are going to acknowledge the great thing that Jesus Christ has done for us, it, for, for what, if he hadn't have gone to the cross, we would not be here today. And uh, communion is uh, one, of those, one of those rites in the Bible that Jesus said we're to do in remembrance of him. And I was thinking about what is the remembrance of what Jesus has done and, 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 uh, First, we're to remember his death, right? That he was literally beaten and brutalized, as Marion shared with us today, about how he was scourged, how his body was literally broken for us. His blood poured out upon the cross there. And we're to remember that about him, that he gave himself up for us. But that isn't all we're supposed to remember. So oftentimes in communion, the symbolisms of the blood and the body of Christ, we think of the, the sacrifice that was given, but that's not where we stop. Because communion is bigger than 
the cross itself, it's all also about the resurrection of Jesus. We're called to remember that, yes, he died, but also that he rose again from the dead. And because Jesus rose again from the dead, his sacrifice was sufficient for us. That's what it's declaring to us. Mike talked about, I wasn't sure that I was worthy. Listen, there's nobody worthy at the cross. When we get on our knees before Jesus at the cross, we're not worthy. But he made a declaration of our worth when he hung on the cross and he rose again from the dead. He said, you, I love you so much that I gave my life for you and I rose again for you. And so we're going to remember that. It's, it's also a time where we are called to be reminded of the cleansing of Christ, the victory that we have over sin and death. That one day, although we may shut our eyes and breathe our last breath here on earth, that we will then be with Him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so we're remembering today of the great victory that we have through the cross of Christ, all the way through the grave, into where He ascended into heaven, where you and I will be one day. And so we're going to distribute the elements here, and we're going to partake of it together. But I just want to encourage you, listen... Communion is for believers. If you're not a believer here today, what does that mean? That means that you have put your faith in Jesus alone. That he and he alone are what you look to for salvation. That there is not any way to be saved outside of Jesus Christ. That he's enough. And you simply pray a prayer of faith that says, I want to be cleansed of my sin today. I want to be forgiven. I no longer want to be burdened down by this darkness, as we heard earlier that he can release you from those shackles. And so as you, uh, as you receive these elements, you know, be reminded of that. Jesus wants to forgive you today. If you are not in right relationship with him, you can simply acknowledge, Lord, I, I need you right this moment. Will you come and cleanse my heart? Will you forgive me for my sin? I'm turning away from this life that I've been living. I'm turning to you right now. I'm asking you to come into my heart. And if you will pray a sincere prayer, and you will declare him the Lord of your life, listen, he will change everything. But it has to be a sincere prayer. It's not emotional prayer. It's, not, it's a decision that you're making. It's a lordship over your life. It's, you know, that you're saying, Jesus, take control of my life. And so if that's you, you just reach out to him right now. And you, you pray that prayer to him, and he will hear you. It's not about the words. It's about what... It's about your heart and about the sincerity, acknowledging that he came and died and rose again from the dead for you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if that's you, just, just go ahead and acknowledge that to the Lord this morning. For the rest of us, let's rejoice in what we have in the body and the blood of Christ this morning. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for these elements that we hold in our hands this morning. 
Lord, there's a reason that you instituted this the night of your betrayal. You wanted to lead us, Lord, all the way back to the cross. You wanted to remind us of all that was given for us. Not to shame us, not to grieve our hearts, Lord, but to remind us that the cost was paid, that our debt was satisfied, that our sin was pinned to the tree, that we are cleansed. We hold in our hands this little piece of bread that is symbolic of your body that was broken for us. You literally, tangibly became a man for us. God, you came down. You didn't send somebody else. You came yourself in the flesh and gave your body up to be broken for us. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice of your body. Lord, may we in turn sacrifice our bodies for you. We love you so much, Lord, because you loved us first. So we partake of this, this piece of bread as the body of Christ being reminded of your physical presence among us and the sacrifice that you gave and the, and the beatings that you endured for us. Let's partake. Father, we thank you for the cup that we hold. It's interesting, as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that if there would be any other way that the cup of wrath would be passed from him, that you would allow that to happen, and you told him there was no other way. And so he drank of a cup that we might drink of this cup. Your word tells us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. We cannot have forgiveness unless your perfect blood was spilt on our behalf. You are the Passover lamb, Jesus. It's your blood upon the lintel and the doorposts of our life that protect us from, your, from the wrath of God, protect us from the debt that we owe. And so we hide behind the blood today. We're washed by the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for spilling your blood for us. We partake in remembrance of you. Let's partake. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you tell us, to do this often. And so we thank you for this moment, Lord. Let it not just be a passing moment, but may it impact the rest of our week, Lord. As we remind ourselves of the great sacrifice that you made a declaration to the world, we might not feel worthy, other people might not acknowledge us as being worthy, but the God of heaven says that we're worthy enough to die for. And so, Lord, we thank you 
for the great work that you've done on the cross for us. We thank you for the faith that you've given us to believe in you, Lord. We thank you for all of the circumstances that you put into our lives to bring us to a place that we would bow our knees to you. And so, Lord, may we never, ever leave the altar. May we continue to offer our bodies up as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you, which is our reasonable service. Will you take us from this place, Lord? Will you help us to be all that we're called to be? Lord, we thank you. We love you. May you get all the honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, what an awesome day. You know what's even cooler? We have cake over there. And, and so we're celebrating the ordination of, of Mr. Michael Mondary. So if you would want, love to stick around, have a cup of coffee, have some cake, that would be great. And uh, listen, God bless you. Have a great week. And walk in the Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.